So let's strip that down and see what are all the ways that you can manage risk. Strip that down and let's compartmentalize what are all the things that I can control here? What are the things that I can manage? And what are the things that are out of my control? And when it's something out of my control, I have to take the energy that I'm focusing on that and go put it towards something I can control. Welcome to the Growing the Future podcast, where our future is always bigger than our past. Being in the business of growing food for the world is a massive challenge, not for the faint of heart. Join us, the Aberhart Brothers, as we talk to progressive folks who like to innovate, collaborate, and transform the agricultural landscape. If you want to cultivate a growth mindset in agriculture, then let's get growing our future together. Hey now, it is Dan Aberhart here, today's host of the Growing the Future podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're back with uh, season four, episode four. You can sign up for our newsletter at growingthefuturepodcast.ca to get emails about our new episodes and find all the past episodes there. Make sure to give us a follow on social media platforms and also our YouTube channel. The Aberhart family of companies is online. Check out aberhartfarms.com to learn more about our farm on the Saskatchewan, Manitoba border. SureGrowth.ca to learn more about the precision agronomy consulting services they offer there. ConvergenceGrowth.com, latest member of the family. They accelerate solutions across food, health, and agriculture. And last but not least, AberhardEggSolutions.ca, where we deliver one-of-a-kind fertility solutions to your farm. Folks, I'm very excited about this episode. Our next guest is passionate about helping people get their shit together to live their best lives. I love that. If that title doesn't catch your attention, I don't know what will. She is a professional speaker. She is a personal development coach. She's a writer and mom to three teenagers. She's fairly busy. She's also the author of, of Get Up and Get Your Shit Together, which she graciously sent me. I, I feel a little bit guilty because I didn't fill it, fill it out today, but I have the best of intentions and I was thinking I should have filled it out today. I'd have been better off if I did, but what an amazing book. We'll talk about that. You can get this on Amazon. I'm thinking this is going to make a wonderful gift to people in your life that you just sense like, hey, you really need to get your shit together. I'm going to send this directly to your inbox on Amazon. What a great, what a great thing. We put the link in the episode description so you can find that if you're sold on it. There might be a huge spike in these books. Sales it might go to number one on Amazon after this podcast. What I love about Lacey is, hey, she gets it. She's involved in the agricultural community. So she's a skull of the self-development stuff. But the reality is she grew up on the family farm where she often goes out to help with seeding and harvest. And her husband runs a retail in Eston. And she also helps producers one-on-one with risk management, which is a massive deal for anybody that's been tuned in to the last couple of years in agriculture. Risk management, GARS, an amazing tool that she presents to producers and guides them through that. So her vision is to learn, speak, write, teach, and coach in a way that truly empowers people to be the best version of themselves. I highly recommend you check her out on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. She's always providing great content and motivating you. You can check out her website at www.laceyowens.com. Today, I want to talk with Lacey about her personal journey in self-development because she developed a lot of this for herself and then realized this would be a great tool for other people on planet Earth. And we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what she actually teaches that and what difference it makes for people that are implementing this because it seems very practical. It's not a lot of fluff, really. And then we really want to drill down into the coaching 
culture and agriculture, which we hope to have an impact on here. And of course, Lacey's doing amazing work, boots on the ground. So welcome to the show, the one and only Lacey Owens. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Dan. That was quite an intro to live up to. So hopefully I meet everyone's expectations. But really, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm also a fan of your podcast. I'm very passionate about innovation in agriculture and moving forward, utilizing technology. So I've really enjoyed your podcast as well. Appreciate that. It's great to have you on. And I've been a big fan. Actually, I've been watching your stuff for quite a while. And I was really intrigued by the course that you offer and uh, the materials that you're providing here are highly functional. The biggest thing I was wondering is, how does someone from the agricultural community get involved in personal development? Why did you get involved in personal development yourself? So a lot of this just kind of happened naturally. I guess it kind of goes back. My passion around personal development is just my own walk of life and the way that I've navigated through my own journeys. So a little over uh, a decade ago, I was divorced and well, very financially broke. I was working. I was taking five university classes per semester online because I, I knew that I needed to upgrade my education to, to have a better career as I had given up some of my previous roles to move to this little community of Eston, Saskatchewan, which I now love. But I had a photography business. I was cleaning places at night and then trying to still be a good mom, present mom to three little kids at the time and I just felt completely lost in this journey I had no confidence in myself I didn't really feel like I was worthy of a good life and just one night I I basically sat down on the couch I think I might have had a beer <laughs> if I'm being honest <laughs> and I just kind of melted in and I was like you need to get your shit together this is not working out like this life this this emotion that you're going through, this busyness. And the busyness was really even like nothing compared to just how lost I was. Like I had no idea, I had no direction in where I was going. I had no dreams. It was just a very lost moment of my life. So I, I basically grabbed a scribbler just like this. I still use them to this day out of my kids' <laughs> nice. school the supply bin. And... <laughs> <laughs> the Hillroy. <laughs> I have about 47 of them in my office right now. And I just started writing and writing and writing about the journey that I wanted to be on and what it was going to take to get on that journey and what I needed to do personally. I really needed to, to let go of blaming other people for my circumstances. Not that I didn't have accountability for my circumstances, but I just thought that I was like, it was kind of woe is me a little bit. And I just knew that that wasn't working out for me. So I kind of needed to take the bull by the horns. I knew that I needed to be as, as healthy as possible because that was busy. Like to be getting through that much work in a day and, and still wanting to be able to be active with my children. So I did a lot of studying on just keeping up your energy, the production of serotonin, which is a happy chemical in your brain. I can talk about that later if you want. And just nutrition, exercise, that whole thing. I knew that I needed to be healthy to get through this journey. I needed to take some time to figure out who the heck I was. I had no idea where I even wanted to go. Like that movie, 
I always compare it to that movie Runaway Bride with Pretty Woman, where she like gets to the altar and then she <laughs> runs away. And the reason for that is that she's just been playing a character all the time in these relationships that she was in and never, ever took the time to actually understand who she really was and what she really liked. I remember she didn't know what kind of eggs she liked because she'd, she would just always like what her partner liked. And that's kind of how I felt in this moment. I felt like I had been kind of playing this character for a long time, trying to, to be perfect, look perfect. I had like the most immaculate house. <laughs> I just like wanted this cookie cutter, white picket fence type life, which obviously blew up in my face completely. And then I was like, I got nothing. I have no idea. I needed to go through my priorities and think about what actually matters in my life. And I think about it with my kids and just how fast they're growing up and everything like that and and wanting to make the most of my time and be present in, in all the things that really matter to me. So I worked through that. I worked through confidence. I read tons of material, watched videos, took courses just on, on building confidence alone. I created my own problem-solving system that I still use today. And yeah, I just kind of went through this whole thing. I, I basically wrote what's now my course that night and then have just been working on it over the last decade. I got into speaking. My husband and I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Connect conferences that we held in Saskatoon. It was a women in farming conference. So it was something I was really passionate about speaking to women in agriculture and sharing appreciation for what women do in agriculture. But also I wanted to just appreciate farm women and the roles that they play. So we created this big conference in Saskatoon. And after that, I just kept getting asked to speak at different things. And then it just sort of all kind of meshed into one. And it was like, okay, I guess I'm <laughs> going to be a professional personal development speaker. <laughs> <laughs> this is for real. I love it. One of the things you said that I really picked up on and I can relate to is in agriculture and in entrepreneurship, right? There is a magical pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when you get there, when you have achieved X, right? And we mm -hmm. spend a lot of our lives, maybe all of our lives trying to get there, just like you did. How scary yeah. is it when you have achieved those things and yet, wait a minute, I'm not completely happy and fulfilled like I was projecting I would be. And, and how scary is that for, for people in agriculture when there's so much value on what we do? We're so attached to that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I guess I would go back to just how essential it is to always be growing and moving and learning new things. And I think you have to be happy in the moment. You have to be satisfied with where you are in your journey along the way, because like you said, like, we're always like, we're trying to get to the end of this. And it's always like, and even the people that I coach just this week, I was coaching with a business and this guy said, well, I'm going to have this, this conversation. Once I get better, once I get better and stronger, then I'm going to have this conversation. And I was like, whoa, 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 you're not going to get better and stronger until you push yourself to have that conversation. And so in, in farming, like we're always, we're always looking out to the future. I can't even begin to tell you how blessed I feel and grateful I feel to have been brought up in the world of agriculture. And it was hard work. We all did it as a family. I don't look back at my childhood and be like, 
oh, it was so hard. Like we had to work so hard all the time. And some of our friends, they were at the swimming pool and we were working and different things like that. I look at it as fantastic. I really wish that I was instilling that more in my children nowadays because (laughs) every time I ask them to take out the garbage or do a simple thing, they're like, what? Why do I have to do that? It's the end of the world. Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For you, implementing these tools in your own journey, what has been the difference having a system? You say you're not a very organized person. What is having systems doing your own self-coaching done for you? Systems are the biggest part of my course because... Number one, I just found out recently, like I've always kind of known, but I just actually found out that I have ADHD, which totally makes sense in the entrepreneurial world because (laughs) we see squirrels (laughs) all the time and I have way more ideas than I could possibly do anything with, which is an advantage. And it's, it's great because you're always working on new things and it's a really good life. But you walk into a room and you don't know why you're there and you just can't stay on one task type of a thing. So systems are what I need. So like the book that you uh, were talking about before, mm-hmm. I created that for myself because I've seen how how much my personal development makes a difference in my life. And I just thought, I just need something that I can work on daily, like that I can just kickstart my day with. And kind of get all the things out of the way and and get decisions out of the way. Do you guys, do you ever get that down where you feel like you have decision fatigue in a day? It takes a massive amounts of energy. And then what I find too is at the end of the week, at the end of the sprint, so to speak, you might not have the energy left to make a tiny decision that you shouldn't. Maybe it's a thousand dollar decision in a $6 million, $10 million business. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm done. I can't decide this don't have the energy to make it decision. Exactly. A hundred percent. So that system was basically created for me to get some decisions out of the way. Just the simple things like what my family's having for dinner. I mean, it sounds like the most basic thing, but I spend a lot. I'm the head chef in our house and it takes me (laughs) time to just plan how to navigate through running my businesses and taking care of my family and everything else. And And being prepared. So I like that system of doing things in the morning. The other thing is, when it comes to personal development, I've read a lot of different books. I've watched documentaries. I've watched YouTube. I've taken courses. And I felt like all of the things that I was learning were great. But it only actually helps you if you sit down and apply it to your own life. Right? So like, You can read all the Brene Brown that you want, but unless you're going to take Brene Brown's words and and apply them to what you're doing in your daily life, they're not going to help you. So I took all of the things that that I've really worked through and created it into a course that's a system because a lot of the people that I've worked with in coaching, they're kind of just like, where do I even start? A lot of the people that I work with have went through a big life event or could be a loss, it could be a divorce, it could be the sale of their business. In farming, there's continuous pressures and things like that to work through. So a lot of times I'm working with people that are working through something difficult, but yet you can also use this on the other side of working towards productivity and reaching new goals, which I've also used this for as well. So the whole course is a system that I just always come back to. So I kind of got through that whole period of divorce and everything like that. 
and got into this really good place in my life. My career was really excelling. I had really good relationships with my kids. I still do. Got into a new relationship, got remarried. Everything was kind of firing on all cylinders. And then in 2017, February 4th, 2017, my oldest brother passed away and that totally threw me. I struggled very much. I didn't show it on the outside. I was strong and confident in helping people, but my own journey with that, it totally crumbled me. I would have days that I could hardly get out of bed. Every single day felt like I ran a marathon. My legs were sore. I was going to the doctor with stomach problems, sinus infections. It really beat up my body and everything. And I had to go through that grief journey for a while. And then eventually it was like, okay, I have a life to live. I need to come back from this and I need to be the best mom that I can because my kids are growing whether I like it or not. And I just went back to the system. So the course that I teach people, I just go right back to that system. I went back to it again when my dad passed away, when I had a miscarriage, when like all those big life things. But then I've also used it to write a book, to expand my business. I have an app coming out. I have, so I'm using the, these tools for launching me to new levels, but I'm also using them to get through all the hard shit that we deal with. I love how that helps you on the micro and the macro. I mean, handling these big events in life, that's priceless. What is it in your course that's helping folks? There's, I think I was reading there's 22 lessons in the in the course and a lot of your, your book relates to the content in the course. Walk me through what you're doing there. The first thing we do is try to get energy right, get you feeling good, get you into a good routine. I mean, I struggle to tell farmers that they need to <laughs> exercise and eat nutritiously right. and things like that. Right. But at the same time, so I was mentioning when that my brother passed away, he was only 42 years old. Him and my other brother were partners on our farm and farmed with my dad and my grandpa. And when he passed away, my other brother went on a big health journey, a weight loss journey, lost like 70 pounds or something like that. I didn't even know he had that much to lose. You never know how much people have to lose until they've lost it. Right. But I remember him saying, like, in going through his crop planning process and everything, like, just being on top of everything. And he said, like, I honestly attribute this to just how good I feel. Like, he said, feeling better, taking better care of myself. He said, it sounds dumb, Lace, but I actually feel smarter. Like, he said, I actually feel. I feel more on top of everything that I'm dealing with just because I feel better. That's so true. So even in farming, it's important to take care of your health. Just have have more good than bad. I'm not telling you don't have the odd treat in the tractor. I'm not saying to cut all of that out, but just to be kind of aware of having more good than bad and and getting enough movement in a day. A Fitbit or an Apple Watch is helpful for that. and. It, it's amazing how better functioning you are as a human being. Can you relate to that, Dan? I'm telling you, I can relate to that. I mean, yeah, someone who at 30 years old was 30 pounds overweight and smoked a pack a day and never been to the gym. Farmers should be the healthiest people on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. But they're not. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They aren't. Like, as a whole. I mean, some are. Some definitely oh, yeah. are. Yeah. But on a it's whole. It's not part of the culture. No. It's It's, it's not, not part of the culture. It's a very difficult thing. We had people in 75 hard where you had to do two workouts a day. Very difficult to do oh, when yeah. you're 18 hours a day. But people can do it. When you take that time out for yourself, I find the physical fitness part of my life, the wellness part of my life is the foundation, like you say, like that's number one. And the difference on the spectrum about how you feel, what kind of breaks my heart a little bit, and I guess I'm just fortunate that I somehow fell into doing this myself. What kind of breaks my heart though, is I don't think most people have truly experienced wellness. And you could say, well, I I feel Mm -hmm. great. Like I, but you don't know where you're on the spectrum until you've done two workouts a day. And when I say workouts, it could be just walking or whatever. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go into the gym and lift your guts out. But like lifting weights for older men has such an impact on everything. Mm-hmm. If you drink a gallon of water a day, if you don't, if you don't drink alcohol for 75 days, if you actually stick to a diet, not do it for two and a half days and eat a cupcake. If you read motivational material <laughs> 10 pages a day, if you do a journal like this, you wake up every day sober, you will get to this place that, that most people never get to. That's incredible. And at least you can mm-hmm. like have a vista. Like, I mean, you're not maybe going to stay on the top of that mountain constantly because it's almost impractical, but there's wellness that I think most people haven't ever felt. And it kind of breaks my heart because I look at a lot of people and I just think, obviously, like y- your results show up 110% in the mirror. Like you look in the mirror, that's exactly how hard yeah. you are. Like as far as discipline, mm-hmm. self-respect, self-care, it's just, it's there every day. You might not notice it, but it's like you could easily take that metric. And I look at people who've never had that, and I just want that for them. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is so foundational. And the clarity that comes from like people don't even know the mental clarity that comes from getting rid of processed foods, having your body flush with endorphins and serotonin from exercise, the purity of drinking water and getting like sleep is so critical. Yeah. Man, I just want that for everybody. And that's part of why we do the show and have this emphasis on on taking care of yourself. Not to hijack your your story here, but you asked me a question. <laughs> no, I love it. No, that's absolutely perfect. I couldn't have answered that better myself. <laughs> One of the things that kind of gets me is working in the corporate culture and working with businesses like top CEOs, high performers in the world. This is a big part of their success in just having better energy. Whereas farmers aren't always seeing themselves like, hello, you're running a multi-million dollar business. Like, this is huge. You go through more stress on the farm. Like, you have to to plant your crop in a small window. You have to manage your weeds in a small window. You have to manage disease in a small window. You have to get your crop off in a small window. There's pressure. And then you have so much uncertainty. Certainty is one of our basic human needs, and without it, we get a little bit wild and crazy and stressed out. So just the importance of having our body working for us is the first step. And I know that some people will think like, well, like you said, I feel good. I don't need that. Warren Buffett, he drinks Coke every day and has McDonald's and he doesn't exercise. But he's some sort of weird phenomenon. That's not normal. Like in agriculture trials, you might, as a whole, you see the results out of using certain products, but there might be that one farm that didn't see the same result. You don't base your decision on that one farm. You base it on 
what's good for the whole, right? We were talking about this in Strategic Coach yesterday, and I think it's really material because me and my brother have been in that program for five years. It was a massive step for him to have to leave and fly to Toronto in some of these key seasons, right? Like even from the perception of the staff and the expense of it and the time. Yeah. But the difference is Terry and I grew up where the metric of your character, not just your work ethic, but your entire character was based on how long could you plow and how straight could you plow? Like how black could you make? How much soil for how long and how straight could you go? Like it was just a metric of work harder. Well, you know what? My brother has four companies and he has six kids. And when we first got to Strategic Coach five years ago, the first thing they told us was, you got to mark off 150 free days on your calendar. A free day is no business activity, not even reading the Western producer. And it was almost sacrilege. Like I was angry about the situation because most of us, like I had a startup at the time that was a year old. None of us had taken a day off. You're always doing something. And if you're not, you feel like you should be grinding until you get your bank right. As an entrepreneur, somebody who's managing like a five, 10, 15, 20 million dollar business, okay, you're not trading your time for money anymore, okay? Yeah. You, you're not yeah. concerned about going from X amount of dollars per hour to, to some higher level. You're literally exchanging the value that you create in the world from your business for money. And they argue that getting really clear and fresh and unplugging is where your best ideas come from. That's when you really have the insights Mm -hmm. to move ahead of your business. You're healthy, I mean, when we're all all been there on the farm, when you get really tired, everybody else gets really stupid, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And you're managing these people in this like, essentially high action hazard analysis type situation for like 20 hours a day for four 50 days straight. So anyways, there's a culture shift there and that's why I really love what you're doing and why I wanted you to have on the show. This is plain English language that I think farmers who hasn't heard get your shit together on on the farm. You're using common <laughs> layman's terms to communicate. Yeah. So I think I think that's great. So, anyways, no, I think we're on the same page, and I was that's why I was really excited to talk to you about this. So, I wanted to drill down a little bit on a specific here. What is Focus Five to you and to your clients? Okay, so Focus Five is part of my system. It's uh, module three, I guess, in my course. And what it is, is it's taking your life and looking at it big picture. Instead of getting just wrapped up in, in trying to be all things to all people and be everywhere at once and kind of running yourself silly, saying yes to everything. Like, I'm horrible for that. <laughs> I'm a people pleaser. So what your focus five is, it's kind of like drawing a map. For your life. I always talk about this this time that I was I was driving out in Toronto. I went out to take a course there and I'd never drove in Toronto before. And I rented a car and I mapped it out in advance. And I had our Google Maps wasn't as good at this time that I did this, but I I like zoomed in on on Google Earth and like tried to like nail down which exit I was taking and that. But then when I got into it and I was driving. And there's six lanes of traffic. Of course, it's rush hour because, of course, this little prairie girl from Saskatchewan is going to be in Toronto (laughs) during rush hour in six lanes of traffic, driving to a suburb. And it's just everything's going by me. So it's so busy. And I came to this stoplight and I just like took a breath and I was like, oh, I needed that. Like I need to check my map, have a sip of my coffee and reset my batteries because there's so many potential exits and everything else. So in that moment, I kind of thought of that as life. 
and just how important it is to take that moment to take a step back and reevaluate the direction that you're on. And there's so many directions that you can take. You might be on a path and decide to take a detour or a scenic route, or you might slow down or speed up. But when you don't have that map and you're just living your life as it comes to you every day, for me, as the type of person that I am, I just feel like I waste a lot of time that I won't get back. So I created this Focus 5 as a system to check in on on what's important in my life. So for me, my Focus 5 is, these are the five buckets in my life that I want to give my time and attention to and that I know that they need to be, I need to feed these buckets in order to keep them whole and I don't want to harm anything in these buckets. So one is obviously parenting, just defining how I want to parent my kids, how I want to show up as a parent. And a lot of farmers, I don't think, would really like stop and think about that because you're so busy in your day-to-day. You're, live, you're working in your business, not on your business, in your life, not on your life. But really, like it goes by so fast, right? So I, th- I feel that's a pretty big responsibility. So, so parenting is one of my buckets. My marriage is one of my buckets. I I had one divorce. I'm not going to have two. I'm going to take care of this. I want to see this through and have a partner for life. <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> I don't recommend two. I've done it. It's it's a triumph of hope over reason and you don't yeah. want to go there. <laughs> my health obviously is a bucket. I know that I need my health if I'm going to be any good to anybody. And my family and friends, spending time with them and then obviously my career and community. So career and community kind of work hand in hand. I like to be part of the community and do volunteer work and show up and just be a a decent citizen and a member of society, right? So, So those are my five buckets. And so by outlining my five buckets, it really helps me. And in the journal, I check in with those daily. I have to evaluate those buckets every single day because we go through all these like different stages in farming you're going to go through seeding and harvest. And obviously, career is your major bucket, right? Like you're going to be spending all of your time in career. But you have to be aware that those other buckets need your attention too. So for me, if I'm rocking and rolling in my career, and I'm like five out of five, like pedal to the metal, sometimes I'm being a shitty parent, or I'm so focused on on the kids that I'm not showing up in my marriage. I feel like friends are always kind of the last thing that I have on my priority list, which I'm working on. But even just by checking in on that on a daily basis, it could be like, oh, I'm not doing very good on spending time with friends right now, but at least I can send a text to a good friend and in five minutes make a connection. So essentially, that's what the focus five is. And then you can take it even further and set your intentions in those things as well. Like in my career, okay, what are the top five Mm. things I want to work on in my career? On a farm, you can think about where's this farm going? Instead of managing it year to year, what do you aspire for this farm? Are you working to grow it? Are you working to maintain it? Are you, do you have someone in succession? You take that step back. I love that so much. It relates to the core values that we run in our business. And whenever you get into trouble, you kind of go back to that. But I think the reason this is really powerful makes me think of an exercise that I did with uh, Donald Miller, where you essentially write your obituary. 
And then you start to extrapolate your goals from there. And the really jarring part of the experience, and I think you'd experience this too, just writing down your big five. Well, are you really going to start with your career? Going to start and end your obituary with, wow, Yeah. he built a startup and he sold it and he worked really hard. He sold a lot of sulfur, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you get to there and you're like, no one really cares about that. And the only currency in the capital that you have in life is is your relationships with your family and your friends. And what did you do in the community? And were you kind? Did you make the world a better place? And did you improve the people and the conditions around you? Did you contribute? Did you have purpose? And then, so you write down your big five, mm-hmm. like where's career going to be on here? And if you're taking care of your health and your exactly. family and your, your loved ones and your, your marriage and everything, frankly, if I got those priorities straighter earlier in my life, my scenario would have been a lot different because career probably should be coming after, well, you got career and community here on yours at at number five. And obviously you're not lacking. Mm -hmm. You're a GARS consultant and a personal life coach. It's not like you're not doing, you're sitting on the couch and eating bonbons, but it's number five. (laughs) So what does that say when you really get down to it and where would that change behavior? It's not really in a particular order either because it kind of fluctuates. So if I were to relate this back to the farm, I would say during your busy seasons, you are going to be putting more energy into career. But in those times, you can still be thinking of, how can I just have a little moment with my kids or a moment with my spouse? Or how can I still make this an important part? Farming is tricky because I feel like farming and the culture of farming, it's not just a way to live. It's a mm-hmm. way of life. You're kind of all in it together. So you can balance and mingle in some of these other things. And that's funny you talk about the obituary because that's actually in my module two. Okay. <laughs> so I talked about the focus five is module nice. three. My module two is who the heck are you anyways? And one of the assignments in it is to write an obituary. And I wrote about 10 questions or something like that that need to be answered of what you want included in your obituary. So that's actually the tool that leads to the focus five, because you take this big picture and it's so funny, like, and you might've experienced this, but when I, when I do this in a workshop, a live workshop or um, my online courses, people look at that and like, they're very uncomfortable. It's tough, man. To begin with. And (laughs) they don't want to do it. And they think it sounds bizarre. It's like, hey, I want you to write your obituary. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Lisa, mm-hmm. you're crazy. But then they do it. And I could show you so many emails saying, I was so uncomfortable with this, but it was like the best thing I ever did because I actually like looked at my life and what I want out of it. And I don't think that that happens near enough on farm. Well, I do love all these tools that you put together, and I highly would recommend to anybody to do that exercise. I mean, all I could think about was, man, I just started thinking about my kids, and what what do you say about a person when they're gone? How big is a line item when it came to all, all of the things that you worked for that you thought were so important? And it just really put things in perspective. And, and I love, too, how it can become a really practical thing. Like, you've made it into something like, man, if you're firing at all five cylinders here, you're having a good day and you feel great about yourself and your wins keep accumulating and people are going to help you with your mission and your purpose. If everybody's aligned around you, rather than having a bunch of family issues that's dragging you down, like everything just starts to work together. So what kind of improvements have you seen 
with people? Like how long have you been coaching people and what kind of journey are you going on with them after your own personal journey, having so much success? So the coaching has just been over the last couple of years. It just kind of evolved naturally. I was doing speaking and then I wrote this into a course and I was teaching that live online every week. And then it went into more one-on-one coaching. And there's no set standard way of of the one-on-one coaching. It's kind of we build the plane as we're flying it sort of thing. And it's whatever that person needs. But what I'm finding with the coaching is a lot of people just saying, like, I've never talked about this. I think the biggest thing, and for me with the coaching that I've had in my life, the biggest thing is having someone outside of your family and friends circle or your business circle just to be able to talk openly with and get feedback, get ideas. And it's funny because as soon as the words come out of your mouth, you're actually answering your own questions. That's what coaching is, isn't it? Just giving people an opportunity to answer their own questions. I mean, you can't go in and give them all the answers. You're there for them to facilitate mm-hmm. them giving themselves the answer. And furthermore, I find it really interesting, the nuts and bolts of coaching where some people aren't that coachable. You can't really help somebody, whether it's agronomy or budgeting or self-improvement. That person isn't coachable. And, and there could be all kinds of reasons. Like part of the reasons that I'm not that coachable so I call it like self-improvement masturbation where you're just reading everything in my Kindle is like 33% read. And of course, I get the big t- exciting takeaway at the beginning or whatever. But do you think mm-hmm. I actually have the wherewithal to follow through? That's where the rubber hits the road with coaching. Yeah. You can help people come up with these answers, but you can also keep them accountable. They might know they have a meeting coming up with Lacey and they're going to catch shit if they... I mean, obviously, you're not disciplining <laughs> yeah. people, but let's face it. Having somebody to keep you accountable, whether it's that last rep in the gym that makes 20% of the reps in the gym make 80% of the difference. They're at the end. You can't get there just by warming up. Mm-hmm. But I'm a warm-up guy. I like to, exactly. I'm really good at starting things, not so good at finishing <laughs> anything. So that's what I get excited about with coaching. And that's something you must see in your practice as well, hey? Absolutely. And I am very much the same way. Like I said, like the ADHD yeah, brain, yeah. it's like... Oh, this looks amazing. And uh, like the books, I have I have many books that are 30% read as well. Because yeah. um, I see a squirrel oh, and man. I go chase it. But some of the people that I'm working with, like we're doing the morning journal and they have to send me a Snapchat of it oh, every really? morning so that I know. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that I know that they yeah. did it. And they said like, I like this because it pushes me to do it. And if I didn't have to send it, there would be a lot more times that I wouldn't do it. And I do have a better day once I've done that. Yeah, that's such a challenging paradigm because you have to do this stuff first to get the result for the rest of the day, like whatever it is, going to the gym or filling out a journal or whatever. And I think that's the tough part because what I find is too, we spend a lot of time negotiating ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about the decision-making matrix there where it takes a lot of energy. Negotiating with yourself about whether you're going to do something takes almost as much as energy as doing the damn thing. For sure. I know Mel Robbins talks about that a lot. She's got that five, four, three, two, one. Yes, the five second rule. <laughs> the five second rule, like to get out of bed. Yeah. Because yeah. she says, like, you have five seconds to make yourself do something, or you'll talk yourself out of it. Like, your brain will go into this place of, like, that's not comfortable. That's scary. I'm just going to feed you full of excuses not to do that. 
And and you do. There's lots of mornings that I have lots of reason to stay in bed. I have to launch myself out of there. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Mm-hmm. I've read that book and I think that's a great idea as well. So when it comes to the ag community, what specific needs do you see for coaching in the agricultural community? We talked about this quite a bit. You're part of it. You get it. You get family members in the ag community, you professionally, you work with farmers. What what coaching do you most need in the ag community? Well, one thing that I think in the ag community that's a big one is like in my course, I have modules on stress management, problem solving, combating worry, adapting to change, having difficult conversations. Those are big ones in coaching, like difficult conversations. And I'm sure every farmer out there can relate to this in there's a lot of difficult conversations to have. So you just don't have them and you don't push yourself through them. But you have to get through those to get somewhere. So I come from such a productivity standpoint, like the get your shit together. It's kind of in your face. (laughs) You don't get through something if you're not moving forward, right? So you have to keep moving forward. You have to work through these problems. So I always think of it like in the coaching world, I think just being a soundboard to help solve problems effectively. So in farming, you can have a day where the problems just keep stacking on your shoulders and you get so weighed down by them and feel so exhausted and defeated by these these problems that you have to deal with. Whereas I'm trying to train on a system of, okay, let's let's list these problems and let's just solve one thing at a time. First, we're going to walk away from it for a minute. My dad always, he was a really good mechanic on our farm and he was a smoker back then. And he would say, I don't ever want to quit smoking because when I'm trying to fix something and the idea is just not coming to me, I sit back and have a smoke and then the idea comes. He thought it was the cigarette that was like generating this idea, but it wasn't the cigarette. It was the fact that he stepped back. And Hmm. I can tell you, honestly, like on the farm, having worked with multiple farmers, the thing is like, if you think about stress, like if, if I was to look at this glass of water and, and, and think of it as a stress level, well, it keeps filling up and then you have to take some of it down and it fills up and you have to take some of it down or it's going to spill. It's going to start spilling over the top. And if your stress level is up here and you don't have much room, it just takes the slightest little thing. And then you're freaking out. You're swearing at other people. You're throwing things around. There's a lot of anger to be had. I've witnessed this in everyone. Like we grew up thinking like, okay, you'd never take anything personally in seeding and harvest. Or <laughs> Sounds like a neighbor hurt. <laughs> a couple years ago, I was driving. I took the tandem into Moose Jaw for a load of fertilizer and something was wrong with the truck. And I was like, okay, this just isn't right. And so I phone and I was like, well, the truck's doing this. What the bleep, bleep, bleep did you do? Like, it's just like, you're just on edge. So we were kind of trained to not just to have thick skin and everything like that. But really at the end of the day, when you really look like back at the quality of life and your relationships and everything, is that a good way to do your business? Is that a good way to have relationships with your family? We all work through it and we just kind of like 
normalize that, <laughs> but really it's, it's not necessary. Right. No. So no. in the coaching world, like I try to help to step back and, and solve a problem effectively and just to work through it. It's like, okay, what is the problem? What's the root of this problem? And then let's question it from all angles. Like what's causing this problem and who all's involved in this problem? What can come out of this problem? Is it just shit's going to keep rolling downhill from here? Like, how do we get to the bottom of this and then start working on solutions? And the same thing goes with worrying because we worry about so many things that are out of our control. So I try to help people to take a step back and it's like, okay, you're worried about not getting rain. I guess that's where I work into the risk management because yeah, yeah. that fits because at the end of the day, your worry is that you're not going to make money on your farm this year. So let's strip that down and see what are all the ways that you can manage risk. And that's not necessarily always an insurance policy, but other ways of managing risk as well. Strip that down and let's compartmentalize what are all the things that I can control here and manage because obviously farm management is huge to the success of farms. What are the things that I can manage and what are the things that are out of my control? And when it's something out of my control, I have to take the energy that I'm focusing on that and go put it towards something I can control. Right? So if I'm just worried about something and I've done everything I possibly can to mitigate that, then it's like, okay, I'm going to go back to my focus five and I'm going to pick something to put my energy into. And I always say, even just doing something kind, like I said that to one farmer I was working with, he was going through a rough time. And I said, I want you to go buy your wife flowers today. And he's like, what? Like, that's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, you're going to be in town. Pick your wife up some flowers because just that random act of kindness, just sharing a little bit of kindness, it's gonna make her feel great. So you're, you're gonna be in the good books there but it's also going to make you feel good that you did something good and it's going to take your energy away from the shit that you're worrying on because all that stress is doing is is eating away at you like it is mind-boggling how many farmers struggle with health issues and heart disease and heart attacks and I've seen too many have heart attacks early like in their 40s and I mean you guys it's important it is important to manage your stress and your problems because eventually it can be too late. You don't get to go back and redo it. So much of that resonates with me and I was just having the visualization of our, our farmyard and the evolution that you're talking about there. Because Grandpa Eberhardt was famous for his temper. Like, <laughs> world famous, <laughs> right? And, and that was a different yeah. time. And Dad, not as much, but probably could be categorized as, as such too as having a fairly famous temper but looking at the landscape now in the professional businesses that my brother runs which the farm a 17,000 acre farm is one of them yeah it, it would be an incredibly inappropriate if Terry was walking around the shop <laughs> shouting the f-word at high volume and throwing <laughs> wrenches at the wall or people or whatever so things have evolved, and now it's to the point where Terry has HR people helping him out, and largely he deals with one person on the mm -hmm. farm, an integrator in the, in the entrepreneurial operating system. He's a visionary. Donald's the mm -hmm. integrator, and Donald is much better at dealing with you know human resources than him. He doesn't deal with a lot of the staff issues now, and that's 
I mean, that's maybe an extreme example of farm management on the spectrum. Maybe not everybody's scaled there, but let's face it. Like we need people to help run our farms. There's no true, hardly any like true lone wolves. And I mean, I guess it, it, there's all kinds of farming businesses to be fair. But for the purposes of what we're talking about here today, it's larger scaled farms that require people skills where maybe they weren't before. I think even in the smaller farms too, though, there is a place for taking that step back and strategizing <laughs> what you're good at and what you're not and being able to delegate and use some outside resources, obviously like hiring professional help, like agronomy, marketing, you're not hiring a full-time person on your farm, but you're delegating something out to free up your time. Because I think when you're just trying to manage, you've got all these balls that you're juggling and something's going to drop. I totally agree. It could be even more so for people that are really a lone wolf, just for them to have the confidence and the permission to say, look, you need what? You need some help. It's okay to outsource this. Don't try to do everything yourself because it's got to be overwhelming. Like the amount, like we talk about decision-making, how many decisions does a farmer have to make every year between mm -hmm. what equipment to buy, what to plant, when to market, how do you deal with the drought? Are prices going to come down now? Should I buy my fertilizer at a thousand or 1500 bucks a ton or wait for it to come down? Was it going to rain? Mm -hmm. So it's just an incredible bombardment of decisions that for me, I got to the point where I don't want to make any decisions alone. Like I thought, the virtue of having a business was being all powerful and you can tell people that you're a boss and you can make all your own decisions and that seemed really sexy. And then I got it and I made a bunch of shitty decisions by myself. I charged ahead. Well, I looked like a fool. I felt like a fool. I was a fool. And I made mistakes by myself. When you make mistakes in a consensus as a group, at least you can all look at each mm -hmm. other and say, well, yeah, that was kind of didn't work out or whatever and have a chuckle and go on with life. Making decisions on your own and avoid is, is incredibly tough. And I feel for Agriculture is a really tough business and we see it in the statistics. Yeah, passionate about this subject. I love what you're doing. What would you say to a farmer that's listening and kind of wondering about getting started with coaching? I would just say don't be afraid to reach out. I think that the biggest thing is the comfort issue in looking at, at coaching and personal development. It sounds so hokey pokey. Like it's just to some degree, there's just such a comfort, a discomfort level. And what I would say is you're running a multi-million dollar business. You have more decisions to make in a year than any other manager. And just take that first step at looking at a program like this or looking at, at somebody that can help you out, whether that's me or, or somebody else. Don't be afraid to look into it. The thing is, when you ask for help, you think that you are less of a person. I'm sorry, but I find that more with men, I feel like women can get through that kind of thing, but men really feel like they can't ask for help. There's such a pride issue there and either pride or just embarrassment that it's like, oh, if I ask for help, that shows that I'm weak, but it's completely the opposite. It's actually when you're asking for help, you're taking the bull by the horns because you want to get better and you want to stay ahead of the game and you want to progress to the next level, you don't want to wait till it's too late. So just taking that first step and experimenting with it, obviously you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Dan mentioned my website, www.laceyowens.com or follow me on social media and make a connection with me. 
And I'd be happy to look at helping you out as well. I have tons of different resources that can help in many different circumstances. That is a great message, Lacey. And I want to leave the the audience with a story that that I think will help reinforce that. And when we had Christian Hebert on the uh, Strategic Farmer webinar that we did, we asked all the panelists where they see themselves in three years or five years. I think it was three years. Where do you see yourself in three years? How do you picture where you're at? And this is a big, successful farmer, incredible manager, very successful guy, something for everybody as a farmer to look up to. And he didn't talk about how many acres he was going to have or what line of equipment he was going to have or what new technology Mm -hmm. he was going to implement. Literally, the question was directed towards, okay, what new things are you going to, or what are you looking forward to on the farm in three years? Like, and I thought it'd be like automated robots or something. And he just talked about <laughs> being able to spend more time with his kids at the rink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't grow up with that, Lacey. Not even remotely. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. So that, but that is the difference that coaching has made for someone like Christian. Mm-hmm. And we should all aspire to that because we're going to raise better human beings. And that's probably the biggest thing we can do in our life that we're going to think about on our deathbed. Absolutely. And just enjoying your life more. I just watched a funeral on Facebook yesterday. I, that just sounds so weird, right? But an uncle of mine had passed away. And when they went through the story of his life and his obituary i was really thinking about like all of the things that they were saying about him and the and the person that he was and it's like we get so wrapped up in our day to day and i guess i would close on this message too like i have this one picture of my grandpa and my three kids out at the field in front of the combines and i look at that picture and i i remember that day and i remember like our whole family was there And I hadn't lost my grandpa, my dad, my brother. Everybody was there. And I look at that and I think I would give anything I could to go back and have that day back. I would love to just relive that day. But then I think about it like, did I know in that day, in that moment, that how special that was? Like, did I actually know that? Or was I just caught up and wrapped up in all the day to day stress? Was I worried about? unimportant things? Was I just worrying about money? Was I worrying about business? And I get kind of lost and wrapped up in that sometimes and thinking like, what about today's moments, right? So it's like, rather than working in your life all the time and in your business, in your farm, you need to take a step back and work on it. And Christian is a great example. I know him quite well. He's a board member on for Global Ag Risk as well. And he's done a really good job at just prioritizing his family. His farm is there to feed his family. It's a way of life for them, but he's not lost in it. I think that's a really good example. 153 days. <laughs> We're all still working to get there. Swimming upstream on our programming. Like it's like, you're like a salmon trying to get up like, oh, like got to book some holidays and unplug and actually not think about work. But Terry's been doing a lot of that recently. And I'm telling you, he's just like, it's just makes all the difference because modern life is so overwhelming. And then you start throwing on everything like with the news. We're just, we're not even programmed for the world that we live in, but it's, I'm such a believer, Lacey, in coaching, such a believer in what you're doing. I get really excited when I 
see the stuff that you're doing. And I think it's making a difference. And this sort of evolution for mankind is inevitable. Coaching is the future. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. Goods and services are going to be produced with such ease with technology. There's such abundance. I mean, forget about it. It's going to be managing our relationships, our mental, like our inner lives, our, our, our health and everything. And we're, we're going to have more time. We've got more time and wealth in the history of humanity than ever to focus on those things. Mm-hmm. We don't have to work ourselves to the, yep. to a, down to a nub to be successful. We have to take care of ourselves so we can have the energy and the resources and the well-being and the awareness to to really give back on a level that, man, you're not going to regret it when you get to your deathbed. You're going to think back, man, I had great relationships. I, I served my loved ones in my community. All these things you're making happen. So I'm really proud of you and I appreciate the conversation so much for me personally. It just really is very inspiring and I really appreciate the conversation that we had here today, Lacey. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it too. I I, I think you and I could chat probably all day long. But. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, I just love this stuff. When you have something like faith or health or well-being or success, frankly, the net result of all that is you want to share that with people. I want everybody to have these tools and opportunities. And, and for me in my life, I'm to the point where I have so many tools to deal with and so many great people around me to help me be successful. It's just been a massive sea change. And I, I want that for mm-hmm. everybody. I hope this episode has touched some hearts and opened some minds. And I think I'm really proud that you're from the agriculture community, you're helping the agricultural community and the agricultural community can be better. That's really what excites me. So thank you, Lacey. Absolutely. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. We really appreciate that you would spend some of your valuable time with us. We would like to give a shout out to Stephen and Veronica and the whole team of Pod Sound School for their talent and hard work in editing and producing these episodes. Be sure to check them out at www.podsoundschool.com. Also, Nicole Doobie from Eberhard Egg Solutions. Thank you so much. Nicole's really passionate about making these episodes come to life and sharing them with you. Please, let's stay in touch. You can communicate with us on any of the social media platforms. You can also check us out on YouTube. And sign up for our newsletter, growingthefuturepodcast.ca, so you don't miss an episode. Do not forget to check out the Eberhard family of companies online to eberhardfarms.com, suregrowth.ca, convergencegrowth.com, and eberhardeggsolutions.ca. Links are in the episode notes. We would love to hear from you. Reach out and tell us what you like about the show or what we could do to improve upon this. And we will send you some free swag. Until next episode, folks, let's keep it real. Growing the future together. Together.